0: Welcome to Church in the North, a podcast by ministry leaders and for ministry leaders. I'm your host, Rob Chartrand, Program Coordinator for Christian Ministry at Briarcrest College. And I'm joined in the studio this morning with my co-host, Jeff Dresser, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Rob. And Dan Goddard, Lead Pastor of Victory Church in Moose Jaw. Good morning, Dan. Good day, sir. Well, guys, this is going to be our last podcast before Christmas. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, And this is kind of a unique year because uh, this year, uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are both on Sundays. So... I have a question for you. Uh, what is your plan for these Sundays? Dan, what, I mean, you're the lead pastor of a local church in Moose Jaw. What do you guys have planned for those Sundays? Are you mm. going to cancel church or are you going to keep going?
1: Yeah, so normally we do three services on a Sunday morning. And uh, with Christmas Eve, uh, lately we've been doing three services on Christmas Eve. So that just seemed like a lot of services in wow. one day. Yeah. That would have been six if we just did it normal. Um, so, you know, lots of different options. Uh, and of course we considered just not doing a morning service. That mm-hmm. would be, you know, definitely the nicest for our teams. But um, our church reaches a lot of people who are lonely, um, who struggle in various parts of life. And for us, the idea of just not doing a service uh, just doesn't seem mm-hmm. like that makes any sense, if, yeah. if that's our heart, is to care for those folks. yeah. Um, so th- those Sundays that are the, the least... Whatever, <laughs> likely those are the ones where those folks most need them. So, so yeah. this year, what we're doing is just one service uh, on the twenty fourth in the morning, rather than three, so that we're still offering something. And then uh, in the in the evening, we'll have yeah. our regular three yeah.
0: Christmas Eve services. So, so you're doing it out of a posture of compassion, rather than then. Fear. Uh, what happens if I cancel? What will people say? And that sort of a thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: We, our church culture is pretty free with change. So yeah. we, we make changes left and right, and we tell our church that's who we are. So, you know, we've already kind of lost all the people who would get upset okay. yeah. uh, over yeah. those kind of things.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. so so what are you guys doing for, um, like, speaker? Are you speaking in the morning and in the evening, or do you have somebody up? Uh, no,
1: uh, one of our pastors will preach in the morning, then I'll do the Christmas Eve. Okay, uh, and jeff you're
0: you're leading worship uh, at all four, or how's that working?
2: Uh, no, I'm actually just doing the uh, the morning. okay, so my family's doing the morning and then uh, after we uh, we sing the final Carol, we are in the car off to Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg. to be with family. yeah, so we're yeah. putting our strong teams up for the evening, yeah, that's yeah. uh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, and we we do have and I've talked to other worship pastors who have the same thing and it is because there's so many family things on Christmas Eve it is not easy to put yeah. you know full teams together mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. we have a a sort of a tag team conglomerate of, of different groups of people doing different parts and different services, but. Oh, so um, every service won't be the same. Uh, same programming, like yeah, same, yeah. same carols and, and yeah. same, uh, program that, but there'll be different, uh, different volunteers. And so some of the volunteers can do all three services, but others can only do one or two. So we're, we're, uh, just patching it all together to, uh, to wow. make it work, but wow. it is a <laughs> bit
0: of a, bit of a challenge. Yeah. I think I told you, about my daughter's church uh, where she's a, the youth pastor, one of the youth pastors in, in Edmonton at Beulah. And they do seven Christmas Eve services, yeah. like seven. It's I mean, a full day, of, like back to back, empty the parking lot, fill the parking lot kind of thing. Because like so many, it's such a high production. A lot of community right? people, people come and she she's the host. So she has to be there Every time, and the band's there for all seven of them—the same band—and yeah. her husband's in the band, right? So it's like a full-on <laughs> commitment sure of is. practice that week, and then to perform or, or to lead. Uh, so. Well, by
2: that seventh service, they should know what they're doing. I think.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope they have it figured out. Yeah, so they're, um, yeah, they're not—they're not, they're not coming home for Christmas. They already came home for Christmas uh, two weeks ago, right. And yeah. we, had, we had a big wedding, and they were hanging out with us. But it's partly—it's just because. The day of Christmas Day, they're just going to be in their pajamas, wiped out on the couch. They're just going to be so exhausted yeah. because of uh, all
1: yeah. Yeah, there's work. certain jobs where uh, Christmas
2: is is a busier time,
0: right? Yeah. Or
1: can be. Yeah, totally. And uh,
2: church world is is one of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always felt that tension on Christmas Eve because my middle son's birthday is Christmas Eve. Oh, right. So I always yeah. had that. I heard the story uh, about that. Yeah, I always had that to juggle as uh, as well. But but I'm a. Uh, I, I am firmly, like dogmatically opposed to not having church on a Sunday morning, on, on any Sunday morning. Like you I think it sends a terrible message if we cancel church on like what's more important than, than gathering and worshiping God? And so yeah, I'm I'm pretty dogmatic about oh, that. So and you if you want it's to just, keep it going. I want to keep it on a on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. Christmas morning. I I mean, I'll just show up with my guitar. Um, because uh, I mean, like uh, Dan said, there there are there are people without families that uh, that are maybe lonely and and mm. need that. But I also think that once you start, well, it's kind of inconvenient. So let's cancel church. Like, man, we of all people should be should not be doing that. So wow. anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox <laughs> wow. and settle down.
0: Yeah, now,
1: that's okay? strong I, words from Jeff Dresser. I have a, you know more more gracious. I, I understand the churches that. Uh, I'd do that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> not
0: me. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's a <laughs> worship church is a is a worship service. I know that. Yeah, not the people of God on mission in the world. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they awesome. were burning the temple to the ground, they would still meet in the temple courts in the early church. That's the way they old. <laughs> So obviously, you uh, would not cancel uh, service between Christmas and New Year's. That's you keep that going. No, no. have you and, ever done and,
2: that? And I would. I mean, where I would have some leeway is it doesn't have to be the same sort of level of production. Maybe don't have kids ministry. Or yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can do something different. But I think the door's got to be open. The people have to. Mm. gather and Mm. worship. I I think that there are so many excuses in our culture for missing church that, yeah, I just feel like we have to be the champions of Sunday morning worship is the most important hour of the week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and by church, you mean the gathering of the church for worship, public yeah. worship. Yeah. 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 That's some convicting preaching there. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: no, we, we didn't, in answer to your question. Yeah. So for the 31st this year, we have three services We're yeah. full on.
0: You got your youth pastor um, preaching on uh, New Year's Eve? Do we have
1: you, a, uh, a New Year's. Eve morning, it's an associate pastor's preaching. Okay, yeah, okay. he'll do a great job. Yeah, we. Yeah. So yeah, there's a joke. Uh, I don't know if it <laughs> goes around too much, and we, we got to be careful how we say this. But <laughs> we joke. We joke sometimes that those Sundays that are. Uh, in between, or harder to find people for. We call them loser Sunday, for uh, so
0: it's like who's who's up on loser Sunday, <laughs> right? Well, and part of it, like you, you come off this really big high of Christmas Eve and max turnout, and then all of a sudden you've got one tenth the population there, sure. and somebody's got to preach it, yeah. right? Yeah. And so,
1: it, I mean, the other way to say that is your A team, your B team, and even sure. that just
0: seems wrong, no, right? No, how, yeah, how do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. I was in I was in youth ministry for twelve years, <laughs> yeah. and I preached twelve sermons yeah. between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Um, and I I would stand up and I'd put my fists in the air at the beginning of the sermon. I'd say, "Youth pastors of the world, unite! Yeah. This is our day. Yeah. Let's preach." <laughs>
1: no, I did the same when I was a youth pastor. I always got those services, and it, honestly, I was excited about it. You know, yeah. it's like a chance to preach. Right? Yeah, and it's
0: a learning opportunity. Uh, yeah. You know, low risk, um, high opportunity for an emerging leader to be able to preach. So. I'm down with that. Uh, I will say though, Jeff, um, in our church plant, we did cancel church a few Sundays between Christmas and and New Year's. Yeah. Um, facility though, when you're in rented facilities and you're trying to get a building over the Christmas holidays, pretty hard Mm. to do. So, um, we were, we were okay with that, but we tried to mix it up. We said instead, meet in homes, gather with other people, um, invite people in who aren't part of the community and worship there. But, um.
2: well, I will pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I Just about uh, Loser Sunday, um, I, I, I've heard some, you know, some, some cynical pastors, certainly not me, uh, talk about, you know, Easter was the bait, and then the Sunday after Easter was the switch. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, because you get, you know, you pull out all the stops, and then you are exhausted. But uh, at a a church I was at previously, we we used to start uh, our planning process with what, you know, we'll get a lot of guests at Easter. Let's start with what are we going to invite them to after Easter and build the the planning around that and to try to... And and then, yeah, try to make sure there's not a huge uh, drop-off in the, uh, in the
0: energy and the, the excellence, uh, the Sunday after Easter. Yeah. So. Well, and after Easter, like there's a pretty steady ramp decline, uh, towards summer of, participation Mm -hmm. and energy and distraction because i mean people in in a canadian context it's warming up people are getting outside uh, they're going to start camping baseball season soccer season all these things start changing um graduations for high school all these sorts of things and and so to try and start something new with momentum after easter is i mean it's really challenging because you're pushing against a lot of forces culturally right so i mean you got to kind of do your season a little different um So uh, I I know pastors read a lot of books. I mean, the old adage is true, is that leaders are readers, and it's important for us to stay um, growing, uh, and a book is a great way to do it. So you guys read a lot of books, I I, I know. um, I know. there's a great book I read recently, a, a novel called Mountaintop, uh, written mm. by... Um, uh, Makes a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> <laughs> written by Jeff Dresser. Uh, but do you guys have any book recommends uh, of maybe a book that you've read this last year that you thought would be uh, inspiring or encouraging or helpful to our listeners? Dan, any anything come on top of mind? I know you read a lot of books.
1: Yeah, I love classics. So that'd be sort of, if you find any book written a hundred years ago that's still relevant and still good hmm. so uh, humility by andrew murray is one that i'm pushing right now actually i'm mm. having our staff read and yeah. uh it's fantastic um anything by john stott anything by tozer actually hmm. so pursuit of god by tozer i read every year hmm. it's definitely okay on my top so yeah. classics for me you read and, it every year yeah okay yeah wow and um yeah. Recently I read and, and this one I would sort of put with a grain of salt. I think some of the best books are ones that are the right book for that season of your life. Mm. So I've had a book on the on the docket for probably twenty years. I've been looking at thinking, I'm gonna read this someday. It's called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Mm. It's really old. And I just read it this year on a on a holiday season. It was perfect for me in that season. So yeah. but not necessarily everybody in, in that season. And mm. then my favorite modern guy right now is a guy named Dane Orland. Mm. So he's a theologian pastor, yeah. and he's written a book called Gentle and Lowly, and uh, another one called Deeper. But if you start with Gentle and Lowly, I think it's fantastic,
0: Okay, top-notch. Wow. Jeff, any, any books this year that you've read besides Mountaintop?
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I read it every available year. It. So a uh, my, uh, my, uh, <laughs> devotional guide is coming out uh, soon. Um, no, I, I'm a James K.A. Smith fan, mm-hmm. so he, he had a new book out this year called How to Inhabit Time um and uh, i think it was uh, is great cuz in sort of our stream of the christian tradition we tend to be a and i mean there's a reason where it's called contemporary worship and so i th- i thought that was that was great but i guess i would if you're starting with james k smith i would start with you are what you love right. and um, you can get into desiring the kingdom and imagining the kingdom so Wow. Wow. It's a
1: pretty heavy reading. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: because the book I was going to recommend was James K.A. Smith's Desiring the Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like, wow. Like, we should be pen pals or something. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Well, then I can't believe, like, it's all about, like, how habit
2: forms you. So I can't believe your church is canceling Sunday morning right
0: <laughs> He's still on this. Well, we're developing missional habits, and um, yeah, and we don't call Sunday morning church. We call ourselves the church. Uh, Sunday morning's just a service and the gathering of the church. He's fighting back. <laughs> All right, well, he's grasping at straws, man. Talk is so, cheap. So I read this a while ago, um, but I, I picked it up again this year, and it's interesting to read it from the perspective of a professor as opposed to from the perspective of a pastor, okay. because it's all about pedagogy of desire. So I mean, we we talk about teaching worldview to people, but what we don't often teach is training people's loves right. and their desires. And and that, that should be central, especially as followers of Christ. And so it's really reframed my thinking even of in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I teach a class on church, but um, am I just teaching them about the church or should I also be teaching them to love the church as Christ loves the church. Um, do my teaching him just about Jesus or teaching about how do I train my loves for Jesus? So yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a really good, thoughtful, formative book for me. So I recommend anything by James Smith, um, for yes. sure. Well, Hey, uh, our time is almost gone. So let's talk about our guest this week. It is Phil Houston. He is the lead pastor of park Avenue Bible church in Melford, Saskatchewan. And, uh, we're going to be talking about what he had to both learn and unlearn uh, when he started pastoring a rural church. And so we get into that. We talk about rural church at Melford, Saskatchewan, of course, mm-hmm. if, if people don't know, is, is it's pretty rural. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit larger as far as rural communities go, but uh, it's a rural context. And I do ask him the question, why should anybody consider pastoring in a rural church? So he's got a lot to say about that. And I hope our listeners find it helpful. So, guys, thanks for joining me uh, this morning. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Well, we're uh, so excited to have Phil Houston, lead pastor, Park Avenue Bible Church in Melfort, Saskatchewan, here uh, on the podcast. Phil, welcome to Church in the North.
3: Howdy. Good to be here. <laughs> this is a first-time thing for me. I've never done this, so oh. bear with me a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's great.
0: Uh, hey, listen, uh, let's let uh talk a little bit about your journey um you are in Melford sure. Saskatchewan it is s- less than 10,000 is that right a smaller community
3: yeah yeah like um I'd, th- I'd say 6,000 it's always give okay. or take around here there's always people coming and going okay well tell us a bit about your
0: uh your journey getting to Melford how'd you end up pastoring there
3: uh, uh well I started pastoring in 2003 in Swift Current mm-hmm. Saskatchewan um actually I I did some education at Briarcrest and then uh, got kind of picked off the bench, I guess, and like just didn't finish the degree, went out to uh, Swift Current, pastored there for six years. Uh, The Lord led us to Stony Plain, where I pastored for another three years. Those were both uh, youth or associate pastor kind of appointments. And uh, And then we were led to Melfort, and we've been here for... This is our 11th year now. So really, like, Jesus led us here. There's no way I would have picked Melford ever.
0: Wow. Okay. And and did you start in the lead pastor position? I know we're going to get into Never.
3: that a little bit. No. <laughs> I took some—actually, I, I took my education at BriarCrest to be a senior pastor, but the Lord had different plans. And so I was mm. a youth pastor for about 16 years before I started uh, doing uh, lead pastor stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, tell
0: us a bit about Melford. For those who don't know, I mean, we have listeners from all across the country. So give us a bird's eye view of your town.
3: Okay. Um, So it's a town of about 6,000. Like we said, it's located, um, whenever you're in small town Saskatchewan, you always locate it via Regina or Saskatoon. So people have a relative idea. So we're three hours north of Regina, Um, about straight as the crow flies honestly and then but if you go over to saskatoon we're about an hour and a half north and east of there so between tisdale and prince albert um it's yeah that's kind of the location it's a a bigger center for Saskatchewan, yeah. like we yeah. call it a Saskatchewan City or whatever. Yeah, uh, Nothing like Moose Jaw where you guys are, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's a farming community at heart. All the coffee shops, fast food places are full of farmers catching up on uh, like who bought what and speculations on crop, like crop prices, land prices, what that guy is going to finally do with that thing yeah. that he bought too long ago, all that kind of stuff. And three yeah. uh, three elementary schools, one high school and like 17 churches or something. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I think no, the, Canadian, so many. the
0: Canadian the uh, Canadian threshold for a city is ten thousand. Which I mean, in America, I think it's much, oh. much larger than that. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. What, what, what What do people talented. do for fun in Melfort? Like, what's uh, what's the? Yeah. That's weird. That's like, like, it's weird out. that you
3: mentioned that because, like the the slogan for Melfort, you know, like towns have slogans. Yeah. This slogan is play. Um, <laughs> so they pumped a lot of my tax money our tax money yeah. into like fun stuff so like there's like a like a quarter million dollar skate park and there's a wow. pile like there's a lot of hockey going on here they uh, they go to great effort to to create spaces for people to have fun in they they mm-hmm. pour a rink for the community they have a fire pit going there's like lots so there's lots of stuff to do uh, and then like that's kind of in town but really like the big thing here is Camping, hunting, fishing, mm-hmm. quadding, yeah. snowmobiling. Like we we are like a huge hub for snowmobiling between us. And the, just as you go north, there's a huge forest up there. So there's yeah. like a huge uh, like dirt biking, motorcycling, outdoor sports kind of a vibe going okay. on. Uh, and then of course, there's a lot of lakes. Everyone goes to the lake. Once summer hits, people are just gone. You don't even expect wow. to see them.
0: So, so it's kind of like an outdoor paradise surrounded by farmer's field, but real close to the tree yeah. line kind of thing.
3: Yeah, very close. Yeah. In fact, only an hour north of here, you start getting paid to live here um, by the okay. government. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Um, so tell us a little bit about your church. Uh, t- tell us about uh, Park Avenue Bible Church in Melford, Saskatchewan. Uh, okay. How would you describe it to us? And maybe give us, like, <laughs> what's it known for?
3: Yeah, this is, like, a, a this is a harder one to to think about just because I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. This is kind of weird, but hopefully it doesn't come across that way, but we're, well, we'll just say we're, thanks
0: be to God because yeah. of
3: this this is who we are. <laughs> there on. we go. Yuck. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks be to God. We are a church <laughs> of about 180. Um, yeah. I'm really proud to be a part of my church. I, I love my church. I would say mm-hmm. that our major strengths are uh, discipleship focus, prayer, and relationships within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we right. have a lot of small prayer groups that meet independently of even my own knowledge. I'll just you know walk into a coffee shop and I'll see people uh, from my churches together. Um, not all the time, but you know, yeah. you'll know you come across pockets. Yeah. Um, we have about 100 and 10 between kids, adults, and others plugged into small groups, what we call Hell's Churches. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet on a weekly basis to eat together, pray together, serve together, discuss the yep. Word of God. That's a, like a sermon-based kind of thing. Um, we, have a, we have a prayer coordinator named Karina who is um, incredibly devoted to what she does. We, uh, we're we so blessed to have her. She works really mm-hmm. hard at helping our church learn how to pray, not just in little pockets, but in big pockets. She meets with our families to, to disciple them in prayer. In fact, she calls it prayer discipleship where she's just teaching families on how to pray together. Lots of people don't feel comfortable. Maybe they didn't learn whatever. So we've got one, of we've got her working really hard. Uh, we have a great staff. We have a great elders group uh, and we, we enjoy a pretty tight fellowship as a group. Um, okay. Our host church network, obviously, um, is furthers that and and the discipleship groups that we have meet together once a week. Uh, beyond that we try to eat together, like as a big church, potluck stuff. I don't know okay. if the churches do that anymore. Like COVID killed that obviously, but we brought it back pretty quick. Yeah. Um and then we try to do a social event once a month as well. Um we just really push the the love like one of our we have a bunch of church goals on our wall and one of the big ones that actually I read them again, I was like, Man, I really like you love and unity. That's that's mm-hmm. really what what our our goal is and i think because it's been a goal for a number of years we're starting to see some fruit from that mm. we're starting to see a lot more this is a family talk not just coming yeah. from the leadership but yeah. coming from you know the regular joe in the pew yeah yeah wow that's fascinating like,
0: and, and i think in a smaller community i mean you couldn't survive without that value of love and unity like, not at all very significant mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, for for you for you guys. I was just doing the math in my head. And so, you know, if you got about 180 in your church and your community is about 6000 like that's almost two and a half percent, almost 3% of the Mm -hmm. community is part of your church.
3: Um, So you must bump (laughs) into people all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, and any, any rural church pastor is going to say that, like that you just Mm. see your people everywhere and that's, it's a huge blessing. It makes getting to places on time kind of hard. Um, or, or you have to be kind of rude because we actually do love meeting each other in the grocery store, talking with one another. Um, you know, like one of the things that you, you said, what is park known for? Um, I think one of the things that our church is beginning to get known for is a desire to work with other churches in town. That's one Mm -hmm. thing that we're really pushing hard with our people because again, like, you know, and everyone listening to this podcast would agree the church is supposed to be one. And we're really pushing that. Like, let's work with other churches. Let's stop like stop dividing over silly things. Like there are things you need to divide over, but they're not often as you know, they're they're not really I don't know how to say this like quite well, but I don't think there is as many reasons to uh, divide as there are to get together. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, you Melford is obviously a
0: different community than say Stony Plain, Alberta, where you were before that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what was it, what were some of the noticeable differences that you found pastoring in each of those communities?
3: Hmm. Um, There's a big difference in pace. At okay. least at first when I noticed, uh, you know, you, you go from a, from Stony Plain, which is a bedroom community to Edmonton yeah, and it's very busy. There's more cars on the highway there than there are in the whole town of where I live now. So lots of you know, trucks, there's too. a, oh yeah, like trucks lots everywhere. of trucks, lots of here, <laughs> like there's trucks, but they're semis and grain trucks. They're not, yeah. in, I mean, there are lots of pickups too, yeah. but so yeah, there's a bit of a difference in pace. Um, you know, and, and I'd say pre-post-COVID, maybe there was a bit of a difference. Although lately, especially around here, after COVID, people are pretty driven to become a lot busier. Mm. Um, you know, they they want to... They're just filling up their lives like crazy. So yeah. pace is obviously a, a big deal. There's yeah. That would be the most discernible difference, I would think. Yeah.
0: Are, are the seasonal rhythms a little bit different? Oh. 100%. Like, I mean, being in a
3: farming community? Like- oh, yeah. Like i love so my roots not my roots but i married a farm girl so okay. when after i got to know jess and started dating her then i got sucked into those seasonal rhythms a lot more and and here and now it's it's absolutely like that it, it used you know summer is extremely slow no mm. one's doing anything everyone's yeah. gone to the lake uh and then fall comes and it's pedal to the metal you still don't see people and you just see machines and people right. are you know if you want to talk to someone you got to talk to them in the combine um yeah. spring is seeding uh yeah. and and so yeah spring and fall are extremely busy summer and winter are like The times when probably the most effective ministry happens in that summer, I've got so much time to plan uh, because no one's around, and no one even. People are kind of surprised that I even work, (laughs) right? And uh, and in the winter (laughs) is when there's a lot of a a lot of like really good time for because everybody's off, as it were. No one's in the field. We're just like that's when a lot of good ministry happens is in the winter.
0: Yeah, and I think pastors who are going to want to pastor in rural communities have to have a lot of flex in uh, spring and in the fall because, I mean, if it's an early Mm -hmm. seeding, well, suddenly the, your people are gone. Right. I mean, that, and that could yep. butt right up against Easter. And then if it's a, if it's a late harvest for rain or whatever reason, or, you know, I mean, that's going to flow into your fall or, you know, people are going to be yeah. back because harvest got off the field really, really early. Like it's a, so mm-hmm. it's not as like in a city environment where you have these much more static rhythms. There's, there's a lot of flex that you got to have in your system uh, within, within farming. Uh,
3: well, you know, pasturing yeah, and, rural yeah. And, it, and you get used to it. Like you, you get yeah. used to having, everything is kind of like, if this, then this, if that, then that. And because it's just our seasons and rhythms, no one really minds that. Like it, it yeah. would be easy for a routine guy to go like, I hate this, but we don't, yeah. thankfully haven't gotten there yet anyway.
0: Yeah. 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 You get, you get, like you said, you get used to it and you just kind of fit mm-hmm. it right in because every, if everybody's doing it, then it's not a problem because it's not wrecking anybody's yeah, calendar. Right. Everybody's kind of on the same calendar. Uh, yeah, I think it is challenging right. in those communities that are pseudo agrarian and pseudo city. Like they're a little bit of both. Um, then you have this kind of collisions mm-hmm. of worlds that are happening. Anything you had to mm-hmm. learn or unlearn to become a pastor in Melford?
3: Yeah. Um, it's, that's an interesting question. Like it, go, you know, it, get, it can get pretty personal pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. and we can get into that later if you want, but as far as learning and unlearning, um, yeah, like I, I probably learned, well, I guess, I don't know, how, how personal do we get here? As <laughs> personal like, as you want. <laughs> okay, well, let's go with this. I learned some some unhealthy ministry practices in Swift mm. Current and Stony Plain, mm. and I needed to, in order for me to actually be a pastor— and the Lord be approving of my ministry, I had to unlearn a lot of the stuff that I did learn, uh, not because of Melford, but because of me. Mm. Um, And and it's maybe something that, well, maybe youth guys, maybe every guy, I don't know. But like this, it's this idea of being like a, kind of like a superstar minister, like where you're in the middle and people love you and they tell you that. And then all of a sudden you start believing that. And, uh, and, you know, that is something that I was quite good at in Swift Current because I was only 21 when I started being a pastor. I -hmm. wasn't that far removed from being a youth. And so the kids thought I was great. They told me that I believed it. I took that attitude to Stony Plain. Mm -hmm. And I think the Lord eventually just said, you know what, Phil, like you, you wrecked this. It's not 100% on you, but you, 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 we need to start you over. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I learned that lesson coming out of out of Melf, oh sorry out of Stoney into Melfort I changed a lot of the way that I did things so it was a big it was a big turnaround time not just because of the location but because of what the Lord was revealing to me in my own self like the pride and the lack of the pride lack of humility desire to be important just needed to be beat out of me and and it got beat out of me at Stoney so I came into Melfort kind of starting fresh Mm. so yes I unlearned some stuff But it was probably more personal. I was actually a decent. I was pretty good at what I did, but that was the problem. And so I needed to kind of take myself out and learn how to equip the saints, not just do it myself. That's the biggest unlearning that I did. Was Mm -hmm. Phil, don't do this. Like you're not helping anyone by doing it all. Equip them to do it, and it'll be fine. And that's kind of what I've been learning.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I. I would minimize that lesson. I mean, that's the that lesson is at the heart of pastoral ministry, which is you know you're yeah. not all that you're you're uh, you're not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story, and um, yeah, the, you know, I, and I think pastors throughout history have always probably wrestled with that a little bit in in certain aspects but mm-hmm. do you think it's been harder in the last couple of decades like with the advent of social media and platform and and you know the self focus that we're finding in our culture
3: 100% like there are already so many dangers of pride and ego in ministry insecure people get into those yeah. positions myself being one of them and then you now you've got a narcissistic bent to society even more so than it already is yeah coupled with wealth and influence and and the amount of popularity that comes from being online you know even yeah. and this is a little tongue-in-cheek and obviously yeah. no criticism but we're doing podcasts and interviewing guys right. and it's a it's a chance if you're not if you're not keeping your ego in check you can be like you know what today i'm on citn So, you know, like that just, I've arrived or, you know, and it's a small thing, but it's just one more thing the enemy can use in our lives. Social media is a huge part of that. And, and I, when I came to Melfort, one of the big turnarounds was no social media. I've just, Mm. I'm off. I'm done. So I've really tried to personally like you know if we're supposed to be shepherds and equip the saints um social media can certainly be a part of that but i've had to leave it alone because the lord's like you're gonna a huge time waster b you're gonna keep drinking the kool-aid man you're gonna keep believing this stuff so don't worry about it
0: in your community is like social media really advantageous for a pastor
3: like it probably could be But I'm, I'm like, we have, we only have 180 people. It's not Mm -hmm. that many. And so, because like I said, equipping the saints is one of my, one of my total, one of my mandates from the spirit. I just say, you know what, elders, let's get to know our people. So Mm -hmm. we split our church up into like 15 families each. Every family has an elder. Every elder keeps track of those families, how they're doing it. And I'm in that mix too. So Mm -hmm. we just, we, we want to try to take shepherding. As far and as serious as possible.
0: Wow. How social of you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's crazy well I mean, He's like, right
3: but it's re it's face-to-face stuff that's yeah, what's important yeah, it's totally, it's totally. not the like we we do have we have some social media we use like a clear stream i don't know if you know what clear stream is but it's basically just texting so we okay. just send out a message hey you know see you at church on sunday or hey whatever we we'll do, we're doing this but it's not a um we and, and our secretary runs a facebook account but it's She's not tech savvy either, and she'll never listen to this. But if she does, you know, you know who you know, Laura Lynn. We're not tech savvy. It's fine. She's in her lane. That's all. Stay in yes. your lane. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, and yeah. and our lane is shepherding, and and we want to do that face to face or by voice if we can.
0: Yeah. So so you started uh, lead pastoring there in 2019. I mean, that's oh, within a year. You got hit by COVID I mean, not a great time to start yeah. a new role So um, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit What, what challenges uh, did you face? I mean, you're the new lead pastor during COVID
3: Yeah, oh man Um like you you're right it wasn't a great time to start a new role and i'm really grateful for like you said thanks be to god for the grace that he gave to me and my elders because like everyone else we were scrambling to figure out what to do technologically and and yeah. what does it mean to practically flesh out what submitting to the government means and and i'm i was and and still am really proud of the way that our church handled that i feel personally like with god's help we we nailed the challenge of covid mm. we, we all hated it it was terrible right. Um, But we were united and we were able to stay strong in ministry and in love for one another through it. And we never experienced a a lot of, like a lot of pastors went through a real split in their congregation and people were going one way and going the other way and following online preachers. And, and like we had maybe one or two, but nothing like what we could have had. Mm -hmm. And that was just such a blessing. We were really glad for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And some of our listeners that we were facing, but
0: yeah, some of our listeners might, think, well, that's just because you're in a rural community, but no, actually in rural communities, there's been a lot of churn in churches. Like, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can, ex- you know, kind of like 30% of your population turned over in, in the course of a year. Um,
3: yeah. And and I can tell you that that did happen in our church, but it was interesting because of the, the timing and the dynamic. Like yeah. we had, we realized that after COVID that we yeah. had a whole bunch of like, Decompression issues that some had to do with COVID, but most had to do with the pastoral transition. So, uh, yeah. like, yeah, many pastors face that when they drop into a new church. People realize, oh, you're not quite the guy I thought you were, and and so they and then they move on, right? Or they yeah. they yeah. they just can't get in line with the current leader's vision. Um, and so, actually, in the last year, we've lost forty people, probably yeah. because they never got a chance to to do what they would have done in a normal pastoral transition. They didn't, right. where are you going to go? No one's going anywhere. So it was extremely emotionally, spiritually difficult mm. and heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's, that's been about it's November now. So it's been probably about 10 months and it's kind of like, it's kind of mm. scabbed over and healed up, but yeah. it I, I almost would do another year of COVID rather than do what I just did over the last, last year. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like we're we're devoid of issues. We just deferred our issues. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and yeah, COVID can do that, right? It can be a,
3: a bit of a buffer mm-hmm.
0: for some churches, mm-hmm. um, or a magnifier, like it, those issues yeah. that were kind of untouched suddenly just get brought right into the front uh, because of the what was happening. I definitely think
3: that's what happened.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, um, any other challenges you faced as a new lead pastor during COVID?
3: during covid you know we just tried to like we love love and unity thing the big challenge was just trying to keep those groups our our home groups together in fact our whole small group movement came out of the fact that we were just meeting in-house churches for for covid so we uh we divided everybody up and then we were all meeting in homes and that was fine and then the government you know like would change the rules based on case load based on this based on that oh, so man. really the big challenge was how do we keep these house churches in how do we keep their integrity and still follow the government's the government's rule that was the big challenge
0: yeah you know when
3: you said that i almost
0: my gut went
3: oh like i had um,
0: like a mini panic attack just remembering those days of pastoring <laughs> through covid yeah. and everything shifting oh. all the time and uh and the word pivot which we no longer use it's no longer in our vernacular but they we're always pivoting every yeah. every oh. same thing with unprecedented yes unprecedented times yes <laughs> um well, let's let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about the rural church, sure. and uh, there's sure. a lot of talk in denominations these days about how difficult it is to find rural pastors. Uh, what's your thought on that? What's your take? What do, why do you think it's so difficult? This is a
3: hard one for me because I love being a rural church pastor, like. I love pastoring and I love rural pastoring. So for me, I'm going to, these will be guesses for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, may, it's definitely probably the out of being out of the way thing. Um, okay. You know, if, especially if you're an urban person, lots of people stay together. They, why would I move out of Calgary, right? My family's hmm. here. Everything that I want is here. I grew up here. Um, so maybe moving away, leaving, leaving your familiar and moving to a place where there really isn't any family. And I've noticed even hmm. in Melfort. We lose people a lot, but pe- once they have kids, they come back because their, their family's here and they need right. help taking care of their kids. Yeah. So maybe there's something to that. Um, compensation amount, you probably aren't going to make as much money in rural area as you are in an urban area. Yeah. Um, there's also a real lack of specialization in mm. rural churches. Um, you know, we have a lot of... There's a lot of things that I do just because it's just me and the associate. So right. like... You know, who's going to shovel the driveway on Sunday morning? Well, I guess it's me, right? Or who's going to do this? Well, Phil's there. He works there all the time. So it's going to be him. And so, you know, I do (laughs) a lot of stuff that you might get a lot of volunteers to do in an urban setting, especially if it's a bigger church. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lack of specialization. I'm I'm the worship pastor and the senior pastor. And I do funerals and I do weddings. And, you know, you just do a lot of stuff. And that's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, and And if you don't have those
0: competencies in your congregation...
3: Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Like, well, what do we hire you for is often, yeah. not often what they, I hear, but that's definitely implied. Like, yeah. well, you work here, so aren't you going to do it? Um, you know, like there's also maybe the location is dangerous or unimportant. Prince mm-hmm. Albert, it, one of our AGC churches in Prince Albert has been looking for a pastor for three years and PA is a tough place. Yeah. You know, there's a maximum security prison and, and there's a lot of stigma and, and sometimes legitimate danger that comes from that. So maybe that'd yeah. be a reason. And, or maybe it's just totally obscure, like star city, Saskatchewan, where there's 200 people. Like, right. yeah. what What could possibly be good there for me?
0: And some of those, some of those communities are so small, they can't afford a full-time pastor. Um, totally especially if they have multiple churches. I mean, even if they amalgamated into one, which sometimes they do, mm-hmm. they still can't afford uh, somebody. So it's gotta be someone bivocational vocational or co-vocational. And then they gotta be able to find work yep. there.
3: Yes. And especially in those little towns, that's really tough. Like there's probably a guy who's been doing what you, what the other tent making job you could do. He's probably been doing it way longer and he doesn't need the money. So he just kind of chips away at it when he has time. And yeah. it's, it's a tough, it's a tough go. Like, also, rural congregations can be more conservative or right-leaning as a general like a general yeah, statement. That's yeah. not something I've really studied or documented or anything. No, but, no it's true. You right? know, there, yeah. there's, there's that. and And like you say, maybe you could get everyone all together in the same thing. But the thing with small towns is everybody knows everyone. And that's great until it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you know it's, it gets awkward in the grocery store too. Like we lost 40 people, but we all, there's only two grocery stores in town. So you have these moments where you're like, Hmm, like, uh, hi, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're checking cars in the parking lot. Do I want to go into the grocery store today? It can
3: happen. It can happen (laughs) for sure. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if people know that stuff or that's just something you learn. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is really hard to get pastors out here in, in rural areas, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think it's true of uh, anyone from an
0: agrarian background. You, you um, one of the beautiful things about that is, is you, are, you are firm in your convictions. Like you're, 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 you have staying power. You'd have to be to be in farming, Have right? Because some yeah. years it's great, some years it's horrible. And so that staying power is, is kind of bedrock in the, in the ethos of a rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that fits in churches too. And so there, you know, the you know, coming in with new highfalutin ideas and wanting to create change and, tra- you know, and, and all of that, it's like, well, why would we want to? It's, it's, it's great already as it is. And yeah. so it's a challenge um, if you want to do change management in a, in a small mm-hmm. rural church as well. Yeah. 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 So imagine the seminary or college student grad comes to you. I mean, you're, you're on the board of of, Briarcrest and uh, they bump into you in the halls and, and they're, you know, getting close to finishing their degree. And they ask you the question, well, Phil, why should I consider pastoring in a rural church?
3: What what would you say to them? I think I can answer with two caveats. I think the first caveat is that, you know, making a distinction between rural and urban it may make me an enemy or two, depending on who's listening to the podcast. Okay. And so obviously, as I talk about that, it's there's no looking down on any setting, right? Yeah, there's like beauty in
0: both of them, and it, Jesus is in all. That's yeah.
3: right. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason that is, is because God is the one who calls you to the pastorate, right? Yeah. And if God is calling you to Star City or to San Francisco, really... It doesn't matter, should I consider pastoring rural churches? Where is God calling you? Because you just go there. You know, you don't want to get eaten by a fish and puked up on a beach anywhere. And and I don't think that, and this is a little personal hobby horse of mine, I just don't know if personal preference ought to have a huge space Mm. in your brain if you're considering God's call. Like you and me both know every biblical character got called out of what was comfortable into something that wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just like take a knee on this and not answer the question. Cause I definitely yeah. have an answer, but that's the caveat is that if God's calling you, you, you go, doesn't matter yeah. where, right. Good, good word. Yeah. So that said, um, I think rural churches, uh, are, are they for the most part, they're smaller and that makes your shepherding ability much easier. Mm. Uh, it makes it harder when things go south and hard, like you know, because because you know these people. These are my friends. These are my family. These are who I yeah. have. But the intimacy is so awesome, and you get it very much quicker because your people—they're all you've got in a rural setting. You don't have mm-hmm. a lot of super awesome things. To, you can't go to West Ed Mall and or just get lost in a small town. Like yeah. you're there, and the people are who you're there for. And as a pastor, when you go somewhere to be a pastor, that's the only reason you're there. So you, in a rural setting, you have a chance to dive into those people's lives quicker. And, and I won't say easier necessarily, but Mm -hmm. I think visiting and growing in a relationship with people is a small town, it is easier in a small town. There's less ground to cover. People have more, they're more open to visits in a small town. Um, It's, it's easier to just drop into someone's house and and in the city, I, I tend, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's comedians that talk about this on the, on, on YouTube and stuff, but you know, in the city you go knock on someone's door and the lights all turn out and they pretend like they're not home. That's yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but here I, I know that I could drop into any one of my people's home and I would get invited in hmm. and we'd be able to sit down and have a, have a visit unless they're on the way out the door to soccer or something like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. You know, and when I, pass so I, you- I think there's huge personal stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, you're talking about West Ed Mall. So when I when I pastored in Edmonton, uh, I was there for 16 oh, years, but for four okay. years I was at Beulah. I was the executive pastor at Beulah, ah, and, okay. um, and and I was also on the preaching team. And so Beulah is a big church There's thousands of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them lived on the west side, um, but you're so many degrees of separation removed from most people. You don't know most of them, but they know
3: you. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, so they, see you on they the can
0: recognize you because they see you on stage. They've heard your preaching. Your preachings touched their hearts, and 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 yeah. um, and you love them, but you don't have that personal connection. But you'll walk through a grocery store. And inevitably, I would always do this. Or so I'd walk through the mall, West Ed Mall, and I'd bump into people all the time from Beulah, and they would talk to me like they know me, right? Because they've heard my story, they've heard my preaching and whatnot. But I don't know who they are. I have no idea, I know very little about their lives, right? And that's yeah. so very different than saying being in a smaller community where there's that mutual. You've been in their homes. You, you know what I mean. You've you've connected yes. on a really deep level. They they've heard your preaching, whether they like it or yeah. not. You know, like it's it's a different it's a very different animal for sure yeah
3: i think um, so and, and i'm glad you said you worked at beulah because that puts it like i knew of beulah i lived in edmonton i mowed yeah. lawns I actually did some stuff around there before i was a pastor and like we always are like wow beulah's amazing that's such a cool church and now it's multi-campus and yeah and yeah so so you know exactly what that's like it's yeah it's the difference between uh hey man and hey man how's it going right like it you know they know you and you know them in a small town there's just a way higher chance of that happening
0: absolutely and then you know i i I pastored in a church i was a youth pastor in a church in moose jaw uh at hillcrest which is a church of like Mm -hmm. 130 people when i came Mm -hmm. it's since grown (laughs) since then but uh that's a different animal. Like you get to know everybody. I invited the whole church to my wedding. Like everyone comes to my wedding. Yeah, exactly. It seems weird, yeah. but I mean, and they all came like it was, it was the most amazing yes. wedding ever. Right. Uh, yeah. we didn't have the most, you know, we had really simple food because that's a lot of people to feed for a young youth pastor's salary, but, uh, it's a, so it's just a different, you know, and everyone was there and we knew them and they celebrated us. And so, and, mm-hmm. and Mushra being of course, semi-rural agrarian, um, yeah, you know, we, we kind of get that. We we know the difference. Yeah, so. it's
3: a big small town, Moose Jahe
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, what what is what is um, what does outreach look like in a rural environment? What works with as a like uh,
3: we can merge that actually together with why should I pastor a small town, I think. Okay. Um, there's such a great chance of getting involved in outreach work through funerals in a small town. Hmm. Um, I found personally that most of my evangelical work outside of the pulpit has been done as a funeral, as a funeral guy. I went to the funeral homes and they, so, and I just said, Hey, if, and if you, if you trust me or whatever, like get to know me, but I'd love to be the guy for people who don't have a guy. Hmm. So I threw my name on the funeral list. And, uh, and I'm, I probably do two funerals a month here in town wow. and like, it's, oh I, it sounds a little bit morbid, but I love it. I, mm-hmm. it's such a great opportunity to speak to a crew of people who don't have a pastor and yeah. you get to speak to them when that little door is opening in their lives and they're asking the deep questions and you can t- give them hope at that moment. And you can, you can lay the gospel out and they, they hear it way better than they ever would at a wedding right yeah, at a wedding, yeah. you can speak you can still preach the gospel but it's totally different yeah and so yeah. you know outreach for at least for me personally mm-hmm. as a pastor i it's such a huge advantage to be in a small town and again i haven't been i don't know what it was like for you in edmonton but i just envision it as you know a new guy dropping into a big city funeral homes are not only everywhere but they've all got a guy yeah. and christian funerals are a lot. Less of a percentage, whereas in yeah. a small town, because it's just the way that it is. There's History. more churches. Yeah. There's more yeah. of a Christian influence. You get a chance. Like I don't know, have a pastor? Who am I supposed to call? Well, guess what? We can call Phil. He's on our list. So I absolutely love doing funerals. Mm. It's such a fantastic way to reach into people's lives and to yeah. get your name out in the community as a guy who a guy who can show compassion in a really yeah. difficult time, and he doesn't even know me. You know, and all you have to do is go into the person's house, talk about their loved one, get some information. It, it, it's everything that we do normally for our people. Yeah. But if if they don't have a pastor, they're just like, holy cow, like this is great. And and it's not because I'm a great guy. It's because we're doing the Lord's work and he'll bless that effort. Right.
0: Yeah. So do you ever bump into some of those folks in the grocery store? All the time.
3: Hmm. Yeah. In fact, that's where I have the problem that you had in it working for Beulah, where mm. someone will come up to me, shake my hand and said, Man, that was just so great when you did that funeral the other day. And I'm like, Ooh, and I, I feel bad. I'm like, whose funeral was that? Like I don't know. Right. right. And oh, it was this person. And you get you kind of you, you do the little awkward dance and then you oh yeah, right. And then you kind of catch up. But um, I've i definitely had a a great opportunity to outreach <laughs> yeah. through through funerals. It gets so, it gets worse with age. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a doctor like you, so I got a little ways to go. I think. Yeah, um, and
0: you move around a yeah, lot. Right. Right? You move to oh, enough yeah. churches. You, you, there's so many names you have to remember, and you just can't remember them
3: anymore. Like it's just totally really challenging. Yeah. yeah, even after three churches, I'm you know you you go you go back and visit friends, and other people recognize you, and like oh boy, I'm really sorry, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know like and, I, you know church outreach work in a rural environment. We do a lot of alpha. Youth is a big okay. draw. Um, talking about funerals, we run a program in our church that's designed to piggyback off that called Grief Share. Um, oh, yeah. That's been a yeah. really great way of, of just kind of tying those two outreach efforts together. So, you know, Phil's out in the community doing funerals. He runs into somebody who's really devastated. Hey, you know what? Come by the church. We're doing this grief group. Drop in. And they can drop in at any point. That's the nice thing about Grief Share. It does, it's yeah. not necessarily continuous. You can just jump in. So we've had some good success there with some outreach. Um, And then just consistently because of the small town thing, you got to be the same. Like you got to just consistently offer the word of life all the time. Like you say, like the farmers are pretty committed to consistently living out a certain way. Same thing as a church. You just got to, you got to consistently be consistent. Sounds Mm. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure that they,
0: they really value that um, in a rural environment. So um, mm-hmm. what, the, anything that doesn't work like for outreach that, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe would have worked in Stony, but it's not really going to hit so much in, uh, where you're at.
3: Mm, I'm not, I don't know. Like we, we're really trying to get away from the, what I'll cynically call bait and switch evangelism. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, yeah. you know, like, hey, come model. do this really awesome gym night that we've got. And then we make you sit down and, and, you yeah. know, for lack of a better term, ram the gospel down your throat and yeah. and then kind of pat ourselves in the back and say, yeah, we had 200 people out to our outreach event or, or whatever. And so attractionally, we're really trying to back off. We're really trying mm-hmm. to just say, you know what, like we're going to leave that behind. We're just, we want you to come to church for the right reason. And so really it's not so much come and see now it's kind of, let's leave the walls of the church. Yeah. Let's go out to them. Hmm otherwise like because people just don't darken the doors of church as much especially after COVID. COVID was tough on the 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 reputation of the church so we're finding we need to go out of the church now and and that's you know that's not something that we would have done in stony or in in swift current we would have said come see our awesome stuff now we've got to go out
0: Hmm. Hmm. you know you, you you talked about um the emerging gen just a little bit um Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, how is the church in Melfort reaching emerging generations? I mean, because what we hear is that a lot of young people, they grow up in a small town and they want to go to the city or they want to go and do something else, unless they're coming back to work the farm or something like that. But uh, you do see a bit of a diaspora, a movement of bodies away from small towns towards yeah. big centers. Um yeah how does that work in your environment uh, with the emerging generations? Is that true? And, and if, for those who stay, how, how are you, you know, how are you connecting the next gen?
3: Um, yeah, look, we definitely see a lot of people moving. Uh, yeah. pe- Melfort, we, we say like we're sending church, whether we like mm. it or not, people are mm. going to leave. Um, yeah. so we, we're really trying to, in we're, we're putting as much effort as we can into, um, these, uh, like uh, into young adult groups, yeah. Uh, we're trying to, um, sorry, my, there's a couple of little notifications going onto my watch and now I'm taking it off so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like we have an intergenerational push in our church to involve as many age groups as we can. Mm. Uh, we want to, we don't want people to get, um, Dis- disillusioned or feel like well the church was never a part of my life or whatever mm-hmm. so we're trying to make sure that we engage as many groups as we can we want to have a we do have a young adult group out there um yeah. those it's a challenge to work with that demographic because they're they're they hop around they move around a lot it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a tough one I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. Can you bring it up? No, that's back? okay.
0: You know, are you losing, um, like, the, 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 the reality of the nuns and duns? Uh, we see it culturally across the board, um, of, of more young people, percentage wise, than any other mm-hmm. age cohort. Um, millennials and Gen Z are either done with church or they're done with faith altogether. Um, mm-hmm. As experiencing that in a
3: rural environment as well? Oh, we definitely have some nuns and duns. um we we they just leave you know some even live down the street from the church they they came to they came to youth they actually got married to one another and and now they just they're just not coming and it's sadly it's a really hard group to snag um they know enough about the church that they left and that makes them cynical return to church Mm. especially when it's the church that their parents go to yeah or it's the place where they got hurt um so we just keep consistently like, like I said before, like just consistently staying who we are, letting them know like it's actually, you know, you're going through a journey and you're trying to process some stuff. It's not that we aren't sorry what happened to you but that wasn't a part of the church vision or goals Mm. or anything. We just want to consistently be a loving presence in this community, which includes to you. So they know we're around. They know that, that we care about them. We, we have our, we have people in the church. We, we try, we try to go, we try to work through the closest personal relationship that those guys have. So, you know, whether it's a, a parent or a friend or someone they have a really great relationship with that still comes to our church. We just try to, reach out through them rather than like, cause a cold call from me does nothing. Like I'm really easy to say no to. And, yeah. Yeah. And okay. It might be you know, over. so we, we got to work yeah. at it relationally.
0: Yeah. 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 Hi, this is Pastor Phil. Why haven't we been in oh. church?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like even even my our people are good at that one. Oh, I've done this and that and the other thing. You're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. You know, and and I get like, not everyone can come every Sunday. That's totally fine. Totally, like, totally. that's yeah. it's not about Pharisaical gold star. Get to every single one. It's no. just trying to consistently walk and and have a discipleship relationship with you to to help you go deeper into the Lord Jesus. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's got to be bridged through relationship, as with every other person in this awesome. relationship. Can't it be just, uh, yeah, cold calling. Wow, yeah, yeah. Even in a small yep. community, that's yeah. Well, uh, you love what you're doing. You love you love working in this small church in rural environment. I do. Yeah, yeah.
3: I wouldn't go willingly. I wouldn't go anywhere else. If the Lord calls me to go somewhere else, I'll go. But. Right now, I'm, I'm so pumped. Longevity in a church, I don't know what the stats are anymore. It used to be that it was tough for, keep a, for keeping pastors for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I've been here 11 years, and unless the Lord has a massively different plan, I want to stay for another 20 because I yeah. see so much good work here.
0: Yeah, that's great. Hey, why don't we end with you uh, giving a word of encouragement to our ministry leaders? Is there something you'd like to share with okay. uh, the other ministry leaders who are out there?
3: Yeah, um, I'm reading a book right now called In Praise of Plotters um, mm-hmm. by Warren Weersby, mm-hmm. And it's a great little book about being a pastor and the routines of being a pastor. But the title is, is what what kind of triggered with me is, is that mm-hmm. word plotters. Yeah. Um, we generally don't praise plotters right? Mm. We're driven people. We want to see big numbers. And me, you know, like my ego wants to see big numbers, great worship services, massive progress of the kingdom of God, people like revival, all that stuff. Overnight Um, success stories. Right. I desperately, I I just, you read those stories and you think, oh, that would be so great. And everyone would, and you know, everyone would think, man, Phil's such a great pastor. That's the ego. Like it just, that wouldn't be good. So I think that God Says, you know what, Phil, you're going to be a plotter. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there are probably people on the podcast listening that are grinding through ministry and mm-hmm. progress looks so slow, but yeah. just don't give up. Like consistently hold out the word of life. Don't be embittered with your people. We live in a tough place. Like yeah. Canada is a very hard place to be a missionary. And I really mm-hmm. think that's what we are, especially in rural settings. Uh, where you where you feel like it? I'm alone out here. There's not a big ministerial. I'm just plugging away. But just keep doing that. Sundays always coming. There's lots of little jobs that you can do. We're in a race. It's a marathon. All those things that we know in our heads, hopefully go down to our hearts. And, and like I I put on the inside and the outside of my door, First um, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. And I take encouragement from that every single time I walk into my door and out. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. Be a plotter. Yes. I am trying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good.
0: Well, hey, this has been Rich, Phil. Thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, If people want to check out your church, uh, what's the web uh, URL?
3: What's your domain? Yeah, it's... P-A-B-C dot C-A, like Church.ca. It's just the initials, P-A-B-C. Nice. And
0: uh, I'm sure they can contact you through the website as well if they want to reach out. Absolutely. My
3: number's on there. My email's on there for good or bad. And I would love to hear from anybody. I love talking with pastors. That's my favorite. I'm not a pro, but I've been in it for 21 years. And there's nothing that I'm going to do other than that until the Lord takes me home. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been Rich. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Rob. Have an excellent day. Yeah, you too. See ya.
0: You've been listening to the Church of the North podcast, a production of Briarcrest College and Seminary. For more information about the podcast, visit churchinthenorth.ca. To learn more about Briarcrest, visit briarcrest.ca. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard today, please share this episode with other ministry leaders.